Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. On you because you're the only one in that size to pick on today. So you're it. Uh, do you know what an analogy is? No. I'll tell you a secret. A lot of adults don't know what an analogy is either. But let me be simple. It is a story to explain something that is very complicated and it's made simple. Now, that sounds easy, but we have to remember that analogies always come up short because they don't cover everything, they just give us a general idea of what's going on. So in other words, if I ask you, what's the difference between disciples and apostles? Ah, stumped you? Probably stumped everybody else too. Well, that's a good question. What's the difference between disciples and apostles? Are you a disciple or an apostle? Yeah, don't know. Well, let me give you a short, kind of a short answer. Now, it may not be complete theologically, but you'll have to take that with a grain of salt. The apostles worked with Jesus day and night. They lived with him, they walked with him, they ate with him, they did everything with him. He was the master teacher. And they sat with him all the time. So even after dinner, when they were hanging around, didn't know what to do, they were swapping stories. And, but the master could continue to teach them. Now, what's the disciple? Well, he's the guy that showed up for work at 8 o'clock and went home at 5 o'clock. You know, so he interacted with the, the master, but only as though he were in school, like class. So hit. We're going to call him a disciple. All right. So, basically, we are what? Disciples? Yes. Not because we check in at 8 o'clock and clock out at 5. It's because the master is not here with us and we are not with him understanding all the little table talk and everything. Now, remember, I said most analogies fall short so just take it with a grain of salt and leave me at that basic 
definition for now. Now we look, the disciples are not apostles yet, because Jesus is still with them. They're sitting there, they're going to be apostles, but not yet. Jesus sends them out two by two. And then he tells them, you know guys, I don't want you to take anything extra along as a backup. I'm going to be your backup. So our relationship, which we've talked about for this whole time we've been walking together, and you've seen me teaching, and you've seen me do all these things, now I'm going to give you a chance to do the same thing. But we're going to go out two by two, so you have encouragement along the way. And now the disciples get a chance to practice what Jesus has been doing. They healed the sick. They prayed for people. They raised the dead. They drove away spirits. They did everything they saw Jesus do. And now they come back. Oh, I know. You're asking yourself, but what happened to that little phrase, if somebody invites you in, stay, and if they don't invite you in, dust your sandals off and go on. I may not answer that question right now. I may leave that to the end. Because I want to know what you think, why Jesus sent them out in two by twos, and when they came back, they're going, Lord, we did everything we saw you do. Can you think of a reason for that action being in the scriptures? Mm, that's a difficult one. Well, one, let's start with community. There's strength in community. They go out two by two, so if one witnesses it, the other one sees it. And they're twice as strong, because maybe the next house, they change roles. They begin to believe what Jesus has been saying all along. They get firsthand experience. It's like a master craftsman. I'm going to teach my apprentice. I'm going to stand there and help him through the first steps of how to do this, how to make a round hole square. Don't worry, I don't understand that either, but that's what we're looking at, is he's going to stand right there and teach them. And then later on, he's going to say, okay, you're good apprentices, you're ready, go and do what you've seen me do. Now, I don't know about you folks, but that would be scary as all get out. Here I am with the Master, the Lord, and he says for me to go do what I have seen him do. But they do it, and they come back rejoicing. Now, I want to ask you, if you went out two by two, and you actually did some of the things you saw Jesus do, and when you came back, would there be strength 
and vitality in the group? The answer is yes. Why? Because one person lifts up the next person, who lifts up the next person, who lifts in community is the strength. And Christ is telling us that in community, in his body, there is strength and power. That seems relatively simple. You don't think so? It's not so simple to do at times, is it? Because one of the things that it requires us to do is to leave ourselves, our preconditioned mind, and hook up with the mind of Christ. So that means as the body of Christ, we have an obligation to each other. Just like the disciples came back and they were all excited, they were chattering. You know, it's just, what's the best way? It's like when you're scattering chicken feed and you let the hens out of the chicken pen to get their feed. And you, you, they're just rushed and they're excited, they're happy, and there's all kinds of noise going on, but they know one thing, they're getting fed. The body of Christ, which is us, are being fed continuously by what Jesus did, by what Jesus says, and by the example of the disciples who become apostles afterwards. But Jesus chose 12, they were his apprentices, and they were to learn firsthand the power of God. And then they were to spread that power out into the community. And if that message was accepted, they stayed there and taught. They did the mission. They healed, they prayed, they raised dead, they cured the sick, they chased out demons, the whole nine yards. But if they were not received, after they gave the message, then they were to pack their bags, and leave. And I think the scripture says, dust your sandals off and go. Yeah. Meaning, don't look back, go forward. The gospel of Christ doesn't look backwards in that respect. It goes forward. We pray for those people who won't accept it. We pray that somebody else coming along will harvest it. But our job is to plant the seed. So we're going to be good disciples in training to be apostles when Jesus comes back again. Does that make sense? That's a little stretch, but I'm going to stretch today, so it's okay. Yeah. And we'll talk to Rob about trying particulars with me, because I'm not going to listen to him. <laughs> The strength of the community is so important throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, throughout the epistles. The strength of Christ in the community is so strong that things happen that open the gateway for some of the kingdom of God 
to come. The kingdom of God has come. Jesus said that. It's at hand. It's come. He, we, burst, we participate in it. We live in it. It gives us power. What does that mean? You're having a bad day. All right, I'll use myself. I had a horrible fight with my wife, whom I will not name. Right, Julie? Yeah, so I walk outside. The temperature might be 77 degrees outside, and I'm probably at 105. And I'm walking out and saying, Lord, give me the heart of Christ. Please give me the heart of Christ so I can see where I screwed up. Because obviously I did. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been a big, long discussion of which we didn't agree about. I'm relying on all the saints' prayers at that point in time to allow me to see what God would have me see in that disruption. Therefore, I can restore peace. But I have to be willing to see where I missed the boat, where I didn't follow through on the gospel, where I didn't follow through in the community of saints. Now, I'd love to say that it's all my fault, and I will. Because it usually winds up meaning I got stubborn, self-centered, and wouldn't listen to anything other than what my preconceived ideas were. And here are the disciples going out two by two, and Jesus is asking them to put aside their preconceived ideas of what they can and cannot do, and what is right and what is questionable, and how in the world can you be raised from the dead? And to do it in the strength of him, but as a community. And the world started to change even more. So today, what am I trying to say? That the strength of the saints, that's us, in asking for the help and prayers, and specifically asking for it, sharing with the saints, the body, our shortcomings, our treasures, our blessings, makes us different. We get to live in the presence of the kingdom of God. When we don't do that, we live in our own little kingdoms, fiefdoms, and always worried about what I can do to fix it. And now that's a big problem for me. What can I do to fix it? But understanding that in all things, God can do it. All I have to do is do what he tells me to do, have faith that it'll get resolved, keep praying, keep looking for his message to me, and going forth. I saw a thing on YouTube the other day. Um, I was watching some of these near-death experiences, and one person said, I no longer have faith. And that, that got my attention. 
I said, what does he mean by that? And then he clarified it. He said, I know. I don't need faith. I know. I think that's a good description. Do we know? We have faith if we don't fully know. But do we know? He said, I don't have faith in God. He says, I know God. What a powerful statement. Now, I must warn you on those kinds of statements, the places those come from, come from clergy. And this guy was a congregational minister. So I know what his background was, period. Yeah. And you got to take that and break it down into small steps in order to understand what he was trying to say. Because we have a bad habit of making statements and not explaining them. And hopefully we don't do that too much. So when we say have faith, you're asking somebody to come on the journey with you to know God. To get to that point of saying, I have faith, okay? I believe that you're going to do proper Eucharist. I believe. I have faith in you. But the other part of me says, I know you will do it. I don't need to make that statement. I'm going to encourage people to have faith. Understand what I'm saying? It's a journey. If you know God, you know God, period. You don't have to have faith in the fact that he might exist. You know he does. So don't let those little things be hair splitters in your understanding that Christ resides with you and you in him. That's what we celebrate, the oneness of Christ. We are the body. We are the witness. We are the community that stands in front of the non-believers in this world. And we do believe. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.